Good morning, church. My name is Brett. I'm pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Welcome. Glad to have you here. And yes, I've got a George Mason shirt on. Doesn't fit with my tie at all or my suit, but we are into campus. We love it. We heavily staff toward, toward second generation. And I was born again on the college campus in 1981. I came here to help start this church primarily to minister to a college campus named Howard University and came with a bunch of other people who did the same and on a Sunday morning we would gather all of our students together from George Mason, George Washington, American University, Georgetown University and Howard University and we do church and that's how we came to be who we are. So campus is a part of our DNA. It's inextricably bound to our vision and we love reaching the colleges and you'll hear more about that at the end of the service. Turn with me over to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2. We're going to look at verses 7 through 9 and verses 15 through 18. 7 through 9, verses 15 through 18. Title of the message is Made in God's Image. Verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Verse 9, out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you will surely die. Verse 18. And then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Lord, help as we study. Here we have God creating man. And if we are to develop a godly image, and this is the series upon which we find ourselves, this is week four, developing a godly identity, then it's important for us to find out what God thought about when he thought about creating man. Not just Adam, but man. Because Ephesians tells us that before the foundations of the world, God thought about you. He was thinking about who you'd be, where you would be, when he would create you, and what kind of ministry or service you would perform on the planet. And so as he created Adam, he had you in mind. And if we can look back to what God thought about, when he thought about creating Adam, we can get a better idea about what he thought about when he thought about creating you. Five things we want to speak on today. One, respiration. Two, relocation. Three, responsibility. Four, restraint. And five, relationship. Respiration, relocation, responsibility, restraint, and relationship. God made Adam different than he made the rest of the created beings. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, we see the Lord ordering his creation on day 1, day 2, day 3, 4, 5, 6, and day 7, he rested. On day 5, He created the animals that fly in the air and the animals that swim in the sea. But on day six, he created all of the mammals that we know that are on the earth. 
as well as marsupials and anything else that we consider the animals or beasts of the field. And they became living beings. But he created man differently. He created him on day six, but he created him intentionally different. They, this man, man and woman, was, were not supposed to be like the animals. They were going to be distinct. And God made a distinction in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2 to highlight how they were going to be different. He said, let us now make man in our image. After he created all of the animal kingdom, the apes, the monkeys, the lions, the bears, and the tigers, he created man differently. Let us create man in our image because the rest of these mammalian creatures, these beasts of the field, are not in our image. They're created. They're living beings, but they aren't in our image. They can't do what we do. They don't have what we have. Let us create man differently. Though he is made from the dust of the field, the ground, the dirt, he will be different than all the other animals that are made from the dust of the ground. And it says that he breathed into Adam to, to create this distinction, the breath of life. And Adam became a living being. The life that Adam had was not that which every other animal had for for the purposes of natural respiration. We don't know, but he very well may have lived before he lived. Meaning he may have existed. It says that God made Adam, and then he breathed into him, and man became a living being. That the thing that distinguished Adam was not life as life was exhibiting itself through the rest of creation, but the life of God. That there was a respiration he had that was different than everything else. Which makes people who call themselves the people of God today different than everything else. Now I'm concentrating on this with a degree of animation because I want you to know that you did not come from King Kong. <laughs> you are different. You are different. And you're hearing this from a biology major. Now, I'm not a scientist. I didn't get my master's or my PhD. And I was a BA, not a BS. No. No, no, no. You, you guys. Thank you. But I know enough to know exactly what people believe about evolution. And I'm not mad at science. I love science. I consider myself leaning toward that field because I enjoyed it so much. And the way I study my Bible is like a scientist would. I'm picking it apart, pulling it up from one side to the other, figuring out what the writer had in mind, what the readers had in mind, what the circumstances were, what the culture was, doing the grammar necessary, parsing verbs, declining nouns, putting it all back together so I can understand the original intent of the writer and what the readers would have heard when the writer was writing. I love pulling stuff, and that's all science does. It tries to do the CSI, tries to, to do reverse engineering. What happened here? I love science. I'm not mad at them. They just haven't studied it all yet. They, as much as we know, we know so little. We know so little about the universe. It doesn't fit in a thimble. 
how much we know. Yet what we know in comparison to what mankind has known throughout history is massive. But compared to what is, it's this much. So my, my charge to scientists, keep going. Because you will find him in the end. Sooner or later, you will find him. Keep pressing. And you will prove what we've always known to be true by faith. It's inevitable because our God is real and his word is true. You are different than the rest of mammalian creation. You're not the same. Because you have the image of God in you, you've got eternal life coursing through your body, your soul, your spirit. You, you don't look at death as the end. It's simply a pass-through moment. You go straight into eternity. You graduate into another reality because God is on the inside of you. Now, I know some of you are thinking about, I got pets. Pastor, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? What are you saying? I love my pet. My pet has to go to heaven. Isn't my pet in heaven? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. See, all of creation was messed up. And, and, and as a result, it all fell when man fell. And we all have been infected with this virus, if you will, spiritually speaking, called sin. And it causes death. But the only things to pass through death are those which are born again. They get a new start. This is why Jesus said you can't understand or come into or see the kingdom unless you're born again. You've got to start all over. You've got to repent. You have to take up my cross, die, and let Jesus bring new life to you. Let it float. That's the only way you can pass from death to life. Now, in all of my evangelism, I, I've, I've never led Fido to the Lord. <laughs> now, dogs, cats, dogs, you know, they ha cats have souls. I'm not quite sure. Dogs... <laughs> Dogs have souls. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Dogs, animals, they, they have feelings. They have minds. They have will. They have emotion. But they are not constructed like us. Because we are distinct. We are made in their image. And everything about the evolutionary mindset wants us to be put in the category of animal creature. We are not. Though, when you are not right with God, you act like one. <laughs> Because that's all you've got left is your carnal nature made from dust. You are not created that way, but you act like one. Peter talks about it. Creatures of instinct, people who don't know God, that rebel and, 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 and live in revelry and debauchery. We're not created to be like that. We're created to function with, with the highest morals in mind. Making our God happy every day. Not trying to live minimalistic. Not, not asking, what can I get away with, God? Can, can, can I smoke weed? Can, can, I, can, I, can I smoke? Is that okay? Can, 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 Jesus drank, didn't he? Didn't he drink? Yes, but he did not establish a distillery. I'm just letting you know. We're always trying to figure out what we can get away with and still get... Why are we doing that? Why are we asking the questions of how much can I do for my God? How much can I be like him? How holy can I be? What can I do to bring a smile to his face every day rather than just trying to get by by the skin of my teeth? Something's wrong with the heart when you're only trying to get by. 
Something's wrong. We are made different than the rest of the animal kingdom, not to function by our instincts. Respiration. And God saw that when man fell, that respiratory ability passed. He died. Literally, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they died. And that death was transferred to all of us. And that's why we don't have to have just a moment of sin to prove that we are sinners. We came out this way. We're bent this way. In fact, your individual sin doesn't make you a sinner. Because Adam and Eve could only produce what they were. And Romans 5 says, sin came into the world through the one who sinned. And all of us are bent the way to do wrong. And this is why you never have to teach a child to, sh to, to, to disobey. You never have to teach him to be selfish, ever. It comes natural. But we do have to teach him to share. And we do have to teach them to love and be kind. We are bent wrong because Adam blew it and death came through him and spread to everyone because that's all he could create. Like beget like. Apple trees beget apple trees. Pear trees beget pear trees. Man who was a sinner beget another man who was a sinner. And that original sin keeps going. And the only way it can be stopped is by new breath. New breath. So on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, after he had conquered sin and the grave, the power of sin and the power of death, which had ruled all mankind because of Adam's transgression, Jesus now conquered it. Having lived a perfect life, therefore he conquered the issue of disobedience and then paid the penalty for every man's sin who did disobey on the cross which meant that man needed to sin because the wages excuse me man needed to die because the wages of sin was death Jesus died for all mankind because he was the only one eligible to do so because he had never sinned therefore he could be the substitutionary benefit for our judgment and in doing so he not only did away with the power of sin but did away with the power of death in us because when he died we died, and as a result of our death, we now can take his life because he lives forever. This is the beauty of the gospel. And on the day that he rose, did you understand what I just said? On the day that he rose from the dead, he appeared to the disciples. And when he appeared to the disciples, the disciples were scared to death. It says the door was locked for fear of the Jews because they thought if they did it to Jesus, they're going to do it to us. And so they didn't want to be captured. And Jesus just, just appears in the room, just in the room, and they are scared to I mean, the last thing they saw was Jesus on the cross. The last thing they saw was the women dressing the body, mummifying it, putting it in the grave. And all of a sudden, he just pops in the room. Something about the supernatural body is not prohibited by walls and doors. And he just pops in the room. And you can imagine what they're saying. Ah! 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 To which Jesus says, peace be still in John 20, verse 19. Sounds nice and religious. What we would say is chill. <laughs> chill. Be, hey, hey, be cool. Be cool. It's me. And then he said this. I'm here because I got a mission. Boy, we got something going on now. It's about to get really good, y'all. As the Father sent me, <laughs> I'm going to send you. And everything I was able to do, now you're going to be able to do, but multiply it because it's going to be all of you. Oh, what a day.
And with that, it says he breathed on them. <sighs> said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why would he use that kind of imagery? To show that as God created Adam, he was now recreating man. Giving him a born again experience, new life, new breath, i.e. coming out of the womb, having the doctor slap you on the rear end and going, <sighs> breathing the life of God for the first time. The spirit of God. Do you know spirit? The spirit, the word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma, which means breath. It means breath. When you get the spirit of God, it allows you to live again. Respiration. You want to be made in the image of God? You want to develop a, a godly identity? Receive him and allow him to rebirth you. Secondly, it says that he, he relocated him. So after he made him, he put him someplace. And it says he put him in the Garden of Eden, which meant that he created him outside and then placed him inside. And there's something about placement that's really special. I think placement is important. I think it, it says a lot about what God can do in the convergence environment. Meaning that when, when the Lord has his way in your life to where you are now submitting everything to him, not just your overall person, but your career, your relationships, your finances, your will, your emotions, your desires, your passions, your dreams, your hopes. Every, if he is Lord, then he is Lord of all. He's not Lord over that which you need help in, that you think you need help in. He's Lord over every area of your life. And when you submit that to him, then he gets to direct you in such a way that he can bring a lot of convergence at the same time to multiply the influence you would have beyond that which you could do on your own because you happen to be submitted to his will completely and you're not trying to piecemeal your spiritual life relocation allows for this to happen placement allows for this to happen you need to find out where you're supposed to be and, and, and I hope this is the, the spot not only Washington but our church I love having you here it's great to see you but there, there may be some things that you have experienced since you've been here that you didn't expect. This might be your first Sunday. And you're sitting there thinking, he's black. <laughs> but I don't know any minister who does, does it the way he's doing it. I mean, I'm not used to this style. I mean, there are other people, they do, they do mics and not choirs. And they do songs that I've never heard of before. And... It, it, it's kind of a, a blackened worship. You know, blackened salmon. Kind of a, you know, they do these songs that you hear on 91.9, but they got a 104.1 feel to them. And I'm just, this is a very interesting environment. And, uh, you know, he, he, he speaks more like Peter Jennings than, than Chris Rock. And I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to orient myself to this new... And there are white people in here who call him pastor. And there are Latino people in here who call... And they, they seem to like... And there's old and there's young and they're campus-oriented. And 
I've never seen anything quite. And it might be an acquired taste for you. I get that. We're strange. I get that. It's an intentional strange, which makes it even more strange. We're on purpose like this. But if God's called you here, it's important that you, that you stay, even when it gets a little difficult and you can't understand because there are things that he wants to do here that he could do other places, but it might be a little bit more jerky and, and less fluid if he does it. See, when God placed Adam in the garden, it was one of these. Hey, when you want lunch, lift up your right hand. Pull it down. When you want dinner, lift up your left hand. Pull it down. When you like dessert, have the donkey go get it for you. They're your servants. Anything he wanted was right there. God was thinking about his provision when he placed him in the garden. Thinking about his provision. And he was thinking about presence. It says in Genesis 3, after they had sinned, that the Lord God would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. It was like he had an appointment with him every day. Now, will God be with you any place you go? Absolutely. Does he love you every place you go? Absolutely. But can he do certain things differently in certain places? Absolutely. And so when there are places that he desires most to meet with you, that is because convergence can happen there with different streams of provision coming in at the same time whereby he might have to bring this here and then later this here and later this here if you're not in the spot as evidenced by the fact that when Adam sinned he still had the presence of God but he didn't have the kind of provision he said now the soil every time you try to, to sow and reap thorns and thistles you'll live I haven't left you but things have changed it's still the earth you're still on the planet but you don't have the kind of provision you used to have. Placement is key. You want to be functioning in the image of God? Find out where he has called you to be and stay there until he calls you to be someplace else. Work through all of the difficulty of relationship. Begin to learn what forgiveness looks like and identify with Jesus in a special way when people betray you by establishing a, a, a tenacity and an aggressiveness that says, I will pursue those who have hurt me because I want to figure out what it looks like to have a relationship after the offense. That's all God has done with you. That's all he's done is pursue you after betrayal. There is nothing that should move you other than the will of God from where he's called you to be. Now, this is not a manipulative moment to somehow make you stay here. If you are called to be someplace else, please do that and go. We want you to be where God's called you to be, but if, you, if you're called to be here, convergence will happen where provision and presence will allow you to participate in, a, in a, an acceleration of your destiny and purpose in, in ways differently than if you'd been someplace else. You understand what I'm saying? Thirdly, so we first have respiration, two, relocation. Third is responsibility. Adam was a worker. God said, I put you in this garden. I want you to cultivate it and keep it. You need to have an excellent work ethic. You need to enjoy the fact that you get to work. Ask anybody who's unemployed. You need to thank God every day 
that you are inconvenienced with an overbearing supervisor. Are you listening to me? This is a different perspective about employment now. I'm not saying that you need to enjoy the fact that you are not being respected where you are. But you need to have a kingdom perspective about where you are. That God is over your supervisor. He's over your circumstances. And he has got you in this environment to make you better. Not just to provide for you opportunities for occupational upward mobility. There's something he's trying to create in you beyond just your promotion. That he's trying to make you better. And the fact that you want to jab. Talk about folk all the time that are not treating you right and have a bad attitude and not be excited about the opportunity of receiving benefit in terms of a salary from the place where you're employed and advancing the kingdom in ways that might be extraordinary because the darkness is so great. Displeases God when you don't rejoice in that. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He still accepts you. But you're not receiving the benefit that you ought to receive as a result of exercising excellent character in difficult circumstances. The beauty of, of going through a trial as a Christian is that you get to embrace it. The scripture I don't like the most in the Bible. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I don't like that scripture at all. But I do it. So when a trial comes to my front door unexpected, uninvited. I've learned to do this. Welcome. Let me give you a hug. Because after you leave, I'm going to be better than when you came. That's the way you need to treat your employment. Rejoice in the opportunities of inconvenience. This is what I tell my staff all the time. Ministry can't, ministry's not fun sometimes. It's just not fun. Because you're dealing with people's problems every day. Every day. And every staff meeting, I said, y'all be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful that you're inconvenienced with the opportunity to serve God like this. You ought to rejoice in your labor. And in your labor, in your employment, do it as unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 23. In your work, do it heartily. In all of your labor, do whatever you do heartily with all of your might as unto the Lord. That's not just ministry. That's whatever you do nine to five. Make it a ministry opportunity because you're serving Jesus in your employment. Adam, I want you to work this garden. Make it happen. Fourth, restraint. Now, there's one tree. Don't eat from it. Don't do it. Do not touch it. In the day you eat of it, you will die. Adam failed this. He failed. We need to be people that rejoice in restraint. Don't always, don't be mad at the, don't be mad at the guardrails. They're supposed to keep you on the road. But you always want to find out what's down there in that ditch. What what's down there in that ditch? Help, help. Hey, AAA, please come help me. And you calling the Holy Ghost tow truck to pull you out of that situation. Crying out to God when there was a guardrail there that you decided to jump. Restraint. Stay on the road. Just stay on the road. Do not do what God said don't do. 
honor him, obey him, be restrained, and you will be able to remain in the place of provision and the place where I want to meet you on a regular basis. Lastly, relationship. It's the only place in the, in the first two books, first two chapters, I'm sorry, of the book of Genesis, where God said he, he created something and it wasn't good. Day two, he didn't make any commentary about. Day one, three, four, five, six, and seven were all about good. Day two, no comment, because there's something about division that God doesn't like. And he had to divide the waters above from the waters below. Don't know what that meant. I have an idea, but we weren't there. We're not quite sure, but there was a water envelope above the earth, and there were waters below. Division is not something that God enjoys, but it sometimes is necessary. But this is the only place where we find in the first two chapters where God said it's not good. It is not good for a man to be alone. Now, this is in the context of marriage. But let me broaden it a little bit because it, it, it extrapolates in a very contextualized way to all relationships. Your Christianity should not be lived in solitaire. You can be in this crowd and get lost. You can be in a church, have your name on a roll, and not be significantly re- related to anybody who is your help. Here God said it's not good for man to be alone. I want him to be in relationship. Significant relationship, relationships that will help him. Because you need help. I need help. I read my Bible all the time. I meditate in it regularly. I'm praying to my God. I'm fellowship with him. Fellowship with him. Fellowshipping with him. And I can't live by myself. I'm intentionally tied, tied to Jim Critcher and Duke Bendix, and Chris Clark, and all the men and women with whom I walk, I intentionally tie myself and open up my life. Help me in this area. Hold me accountable here. Ask me hard questions about what I'm looking at on the Internet, who I'm with. We ask ourselves questions intentionally on staff and in our leadership. Six things about which we need to be accountable. Have you been reading your Bible on a regular basis? Have been in word and prayer? Have you spent time with your family? Have you been giving? On a regular basis? Are you pursuing your calling on a regular basis? Have you been with a person of the opposite sex that might be seen in, in a way as compromising? Have you viewed anything this ungodly? And the question seven doesn't have anything to do with the accountability, but it makes sure that everybody's accountable to the accountability. Have you lied about any of the answers you just gave? Because <laughs> we can't afford to fall. I can't afford to be out there by myself. Because it'll hurt you. It'll mess up the kingdom. It'll destroy what God's trying to build. So I live in significant relationship. People asking me hard questions that sometimes I don't want to answer. But I have to answer honestly because I'm a Christian. I love my God. Relationship. You want to be like God? These five things need to be evident in your life on a regular basis. One, you breathe the breath of God. Two, you're in his spot where he's called you to be. Three, you are responsible to your your ministry or your employment, and you want to work hard to fulfill it as unto the Lord. Four, you are practicing restraint, and you are not getting into areas where you shouldn't be. And five, you are in significant relationship. Let's pray.